0: Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. There we go. Fixed. All right, everybody. Hopefully, you can come back. Sorry about that. Um, Had a few technical issues there. Um, But it's fixed now, hopefully. It's really warm in my apartment today, so forgive me for being a little sweaty. Um, Yeah, so like I was saying, I was supposed to be in Colorado because I was kind of doing this whole, like, revolution on the road thing. Um, And my friend Todd Showdown... Is uh, designed a tattoo, a portrait of my mother. Um, you can follow Todd Showdown on Instagram. His stuff is really amazing. And um, so I was supposed to fly out yesterday and get that done. Um, but his kids got sick. And uh, so we decided to kind of just reschedule. So, um, but it was really cool of him because he just was like, hey, do you want to get a portrait of your mom? I drew it up. And I was like, sure, yeah. And, He's great, so it'll be interesting to do. We'll, we'll do a little special video on it when we do it. Um, also getting ready for uh, the premiere of um, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, which is the film about my mother and, well, really my family, my parents, uh, that hits theaters September 17th. Um, you know, a lot of mixed emotions. It's a good movie. I've seen it. It's good. It's not perfect, um, but it's also like 30 some odd years of their lives crushed into two hours. So they had to take some little liberties to kind of dramatize things so you could kind of get a feel for everything that did happen. Um, But for you guys, hey, one of the things I would recommend is if you're gonna go see The Eyes of Tammy Faye, I think we'll probably do some discussions about the film actually, um, because I think people are curious. Um, is that the eyes of Tammy Faye was originally a documentary done by world of wonder, which is a really amazing, uh, group of filmmakers. And, um, so there is a documentary called the eyes of Tammy Faye, which probably confuses some people, but yeah, it's out there. I don't know where you can watch it. I'm sure it's out there somewhere, but I really, really recommend watching the eyes of Tammy Faye documentary either before or after the film so you kind of get a better ideal, idea of what it's what's going on there. Because I think that the documentary was one of the best things ever done about my family and about that time of our history. So highly recommend you checking that out. And uh, of course the film will come out September 17th, so you've kind of got some time for that. I'll be next week, I'll be, is it next week or the following week, the 13th, I'll be uh, flying out to... To New York to see the premiere uh, and I'm really excited uh, my good friend Steve's gonna be there as well and um, so we'll be watching watching that with all the the actors and and, and movie people and, and stuff like that so you know it's been weird cause I kind of had to like you know draw boundaries around what I do and what I don't do because it, it kind of brings back these old Things of, like, being a kid on the couch, you know, growing up on the television, you know. And so you kind of have to make sure you have really weird um, boundaries. Life is so weird, man. Life is, life is really weird, for me right now especially. Um, but, yeah, so that's happening. What else is going on? Uh, the world's still an insane place, and we still live in it. Um, one of the things I I, I was thinking about with today's talk was, um, the idea of hope and, uh, what hope really means and what hope really is. Now, in true J fashion, um, I kind of rewrote the thing and, and, and probably going to do another talk, like really on the ideas of hope. Um. I've been in a different place this week, you know, I just, I've been in a, in a, in a really strange place, and I, I guess, you know, that's going to be one of the things, like, I would even say, like, hey, if you want to skip a couple talks, <laughs> go ahead and do it, um, just because right now, you know, I'm going through a lot, so, like, like I've been really well with my depression, you know, I'm seeing an analyst, and, and I did a lot of really hard work in DBT, and, and, and you know, soft therapy before that, but um, this stuff has definitely brought up some things, you know, brought up some things and a lot of things that a lot of people don't know about found things that weren't in the media, you know, I mean, just personal things as growing up as a child and, um, but also growing up as a child where all the where everybody's eyes are on your family. And, and that was kind of the reality of my life for about the first oof, 15 or 20 years of my life was, was these, you know, being in the public spotlight, and so uh, that really was a, a, a challenge to grow up that way. You know, um, you know, most people don't, you know, know about the troubles that are going on at your house. You know, especially like really in a bizarre way, like oh, I saw on People magazine that your parents aren't doing well. You know, or I saw on the Rag magazine that you know your mom made an alien. Um, There was one article that said I was going to kill Jerry Falwell. That was fun to be at school with that one on. Uh, There was another one that said I was disabled because they were talking about my dyslexia, but they didn't put that on the cover of of the RAG magazine. Um, So that was strange. Um, But yeah, so there's a lot of, it brings up a lot of stuff. Um, So please, please enjoy my trauma for your entertainment. (laughs) Um, I'm Just being sarcastic. Cheers. So my mom, in 1978, wrote this book called I Gotta Be Me. Um, I have a copy of it right here. This is a really old one. Um, And uh, very 70s. I think it was written in like 78. And interesting thing is I feel like it was her way of being like her coming to a realization that she had to be her, you know, at the time she wrote this book. And um, this is almost like my mom being like, I am Tammy Faye and this is who I am. And to be honest with you, I never really read the book and I was talking to my therapist about it and he was saying, well, haven't you read the book? And I said, well, strangely enough, um, I was talking to my sister the other day and we were talking about this book and she was like, you need to read that book. So I pulled it off the shelf. It's not too big. And since I guess I'm reading Hegel, this will probably be easier to read than Hegel, hopefully. Um, Unless my mom's like really, really a hard philosopher, theologian to read. Um, So I'm probably going to check that out. But so I was thinking about that today is like, I've got to be me. And like the fight in my own life, in our own lives to... Pretend that everything is okay, you know, to pretend like we have it together when we go into work, when we in our relationships, you know, to not share our ugliness with others. Uh, maybe fear of driving them away or fear of judgment uh, or just we've been taught that it's not professional to do that type of thing. But sometimes we even do that with our own relationships, with our intimate relationships. Sometimes we do that with our friendships, even as like, you know, I just, I don't want to be a burden, you know, I don't want to be too much, you know, I I don't want to always be that guy, you know. Um, So I'll just kind of, you know, and and so what happens is, is we often end up taking a lot of our awkwardness, our a lot of insecurities, our a lot of our anger and hurt, and kind of just pushing it down. Now, unfortunately, this stuff always comes out one way or the other you might, you know, you wonder like why your, your, you know, your aunt is so passive aggressive, you know, why is she so passive? Aggressive? Why is she so mean? Probably because she's got a lot of shit she just never dealt with, you know, so those little jabs towards you aren't really towards you. They're towards something that happened a long time ago that she never got to deal with or he never got to deal with, whatever, you know? And so I'm thinking about this, this, as as I'm going through this stuff of like, okay, now I've got to like, not allow comments on my on my my Facebook page. You know what I mean? Like I put up a poster of my mom the movie that was coming out and I was like, oh this is happening. You know, hey, if you're mean, please don't you know do that here, do it somewhere else. And of course, people had the need to tell me that my mother's a grifter and that my dad was is a grifter and that, you know, she's a clown and I th- blah, blah blah blah. All the same old shit that I heard growing up as a kid. Um now, I'm not quite sure why people in social media worlds feel the need to do this, especially to family members of people. Um, I know that they probably also have undealt with trauma as well and that they're projecting things and it's scapegoating and it makes them feel better about themselves. Like I know a lot of the technical reasons why I've read Freud. You know, um, I've been to enough therapy in my life to kind of understand that. But still, when you're on the other end of it, like even those reasons, you're just kind of like, ugh. You know, like this is just a pain in the ass. And so, in dedication and to the ideals of Tammy Faye, my mama, I've got to be me, and I'm going to be me, and I'm always going to be me here. That's why I don't even like being called a pastor anymore, you know, because pastors, I should just preach a good sermon on Sunday. You know, um, revolution is a community of people with faith and doubt. And uh, we're all literally trying to make it through this world one day at a time. It's also kind of one of the reasons why I like John Lydon. Um, some of you might know him as John Rotten with Sex Pistols, boom, um, or PIL, which I think is, I got my PIL bag right there, boom. It's my record bag. Um, is because seeing people who really, you know, sometimes they get people upset, but they just don't care. Now, that's hard because we always like soft and cozy and fuzzy, and, and, but people who are able to speak their truth and just not give a damn. That's what I always kind of liked about punk rock, you know. That's why I like about early punk rock is that it spoke a truth that was true to them and it just didn't care if you agreed or not, you know. And sometimes it would even push back a little bit. And it was just trying to be something true to itself, even if it didn't know what itself was. It was just saying, like, I'm trying to find me, and this is who I am, and here I am. And I feel like we need a lot more of that in this world. Unfortunately, I feel like too often, we punish people for that. We tell people, be yourself, and then we don't like what they are. You know, tell the truth. Oh, but not that way. I need a trigger warning, you know, like... That's the problem is we become very sensitive to truth tellers, you know, so we kind of censor people who are the truth. And the funny thing is, 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 is like we're censoring like deep thinkers and things like that because we're going like, oh, you got to be careful. You need to be sensitive about what you talk about. Now, I'm not saying like this in a Mark Driscoll way where you just say shit to be shocking. I, I, I don't agree with that. I, I've never been a big fan of, of, of just shock value stuff. I may have done that when I was younger, you know, Um but I think when we tell the truth and it's shocking, it's, it's that truth is usually worth taking a look at, you know. Or if it affects an emotion, causes an emotion within us to be angry or hurt or things. I, I, I think instead of saying, like, we should ban that um, or you should have warned me about that, maybe we should look at ourselves. Maybe it's a moment for us to grow and go, why does this make me feel uncomfortable or why am I angry about this? Why am I going to attack mode, or why am I going into depression mode, or why do I want to hide, or why am I why am I defensive? Is it the fact that there may be some truth to what's being said that makes me uncomfortable? Because the world is full of contradictions that exist, the dialectic that exists at the same time, that are both true at the same time, that we all have to deal with. But unfortunately, we want to put things in little boxes, tiny boxes, you know, and just You know, know, we love people who are like, I'm non-binary. You know, my sexuality is non-binary and we celebrate it. But as soon as you come out and say, well, my thinking is non-binary, we get a little bit weird because we're like, wait a second, you got to have good and bad in here. You got to have this and that. And sometimes it's just not always that. It's not black and white. You know, we're afraid of the gray. We're afraid to to live in the tension. Uh, Someone just posted shadow work. Yeah, we're afraid of that stuff. And so what I want to do here is encourage us to think differently. And I've said this before, think critically, which we talked a lot about uh, not last week, but the week before is is what is critical thinking. Um, But to also do that towards ourselves. It's so easy to critique the other. It's so easy to critique the church. It's so easy to critique the liberal. It's so easy to critique the conservative. Um, But we forget sometimes that maybe we're the ones who need to be critiqued. And are we putting in place a society or a culture uh, that we want our kids to be able to grow up in, you know? Like, part of me growing up, I got beat up and messed up and made mistakes and, you know, hurt myself and, and learned lessons and and, and did things to, to know not to do them. And it's funny, like, because now I can look at people doing some of those same things and I can say, hey, you know, that probably could lead to being hurt. like. I know this one friend of mine who's uh, a person, not friend, but acquaintance of mine, who's really into like psychedelics and drugs, and and it's the answer, and find your inner peace, you know, but they never talk about the bad part, you know, and for me, I did a lot of psychedelics growing up, uh, LSD and mushrooms and things like that, Um, I never met God on them, unfortunately, sorry, Um, had a lot of weird trips and saw a lot of weird stuff, but in my teenage years, I started to get acid flashbacks, which I thought old hippies was just a rumor that old hippies told. Uh, <laughs> and then I started to get them. And then those flashbacks are kind of like really intense panic attacks with some visuals uh, to the point where I remember going to see my dad in prison saying, Dad, something's happened to me. I'm going crazy. And I think it's because I did these drugs. And if I have to get a piece of my brain operated on or anything, I just want this to stop. And he sent, you know, here my dad is. And my dad knew a psychiatrist, so he called the psychiatrist and said, well, you fly my son down to stay at your house and help him. He thinks he's going crazy. But one of the things I wanted to do is say, listen, you know, it's great that you're finding power and positivity in these, 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 these drugs, these type of drugs, and you're helping people find their inner spirit and whatever, but you know, there's a negative side as well. You know, there's a side that's destructive. There's a side that hurts people. There's a side that can hurt your mental psyche, especially if you've been through trauma that you've not had worked out. And sometimes people are using this to help them get t- to deal with that trauma. Um, so I'm not saying I'm like, oh, say no to drugs. You know, I'm not saying that. What, I, what, what I'm saying is, is that we have to remember that life is complicated. There's two truths and you can't just get, you know, that's what we don't like about religion. We don't like a religion that's like, oh, if you just follow Jesus, everything's going to be happy and safe. And that's why most of us are disillusioned with religion. Like, everything's going to be great, you know, as long as you're not gay or don't have an abortion, you're going to go to heaven and it's going to be awesome. And we're all like, okay, we kind of realized that was bullshit. You know what I mean? But it's funny that, like, if something's more politically correct, we're not willing to call bullshit on it. You know what I mean? Like, if something's more like, Oh, that's kind of fuzzy and friendly. So I, I better not call bullshit on that, you know. And for me, I'm going like, no. It, and it's not saying I'm calling bullshit in a disrespectful way. It's saying I just want more. We should just have more knowledge. We should be willing to talk about things. We should be willing to talk about certain things, you know. Um People react to things differently. Some people love roller coasters, man. I hate roller coasters. One, I, I'm like. I get I'm, I'm, I get panic attacks as soon as I'm locked into anything because I have claustrophobia. Thank you, mom. And um, <laughs> my mom had claustrophobia as a kid, and I think I just was like, small places bad. Um, don't like to be locked in anything. And then I'm like, hey, I'm gonna twirl you around. I don't like that. But man, I've got friends who dig that stuff, you know. And to each their own, you know. Like I'm, it's great because I get to like, I'll hold your stuff when we go to the theme parks. I like theme parks. I just don't like the crazy rides. Strangely enough, but I love people watching, and I love paying a 100 bucks to watch people um, and hold your stuff for you and do a little, maybe, souvenir shopping. Anyway, point being is, I think we've got to be open to hearing one another's opinions and different ideas and different thoughts. Um, we also should be able to tell our truth without attacking, you know, each other. And sometimes, I mean, like, I've never been like, well, we'll just have to agree to disagree. But sometimes agreeing to disagree is not the worst thing in the world. Because sometimes that's just saying we both need to grow. You know, we both feel that we've reached a place where this is the truth, but ultimately you never really arrive at it. So maybe we just need to realize that this is where we're both at in our journey and respect that. Um, So it sounds like I'm trying to build a better humanity or a better society. And to be honest with you, that's part of it because I want to live well. I want to see you live well. I want to see my children grow up in a world where they live well and live good lives. They're going to have hell. They're going to have struggles. There's going to be suffering. That's just the realities of the world that we live in. But I would like to give them all a chance and I would like to see them grow. And I think a lot of this stuff, a lot of the diseases, a lot of the problems in the world that we're looking at are not going to go away if we ignore them or just say they're bad or cancel them because I think other people will just come out and do it a different way. I think what happens is if we educate each other and we educate ourselves and we're open to discussions and we're not afraid, because when we become afraid of other people or we become offended by other people or we allow them to kind of move our emotions all over the place, guess what? They're in control. People all of a sudden are controlling us. So now we're being controlled by society, so when we're saying like well no i' you know i'm I'm not saying don't have boundaries, I think boundaries are great, and I think we should all have them i have them I, I I have to work on having them I have to respect other people who have them and work on their respecting their boundaries um but I'm talking about a different type of thing here is like you know certain things that do need to be talked about you know um you know. We can't hide from politics. We can't hide from these. We should have the tough conversations. Um, Unfortunately, we've all become so focused on like, well, I just say all my shit on social media. But, you know, that's not changing anything. It's not changing a lot. You know, I think the great conversations happen at work, you know, and those things. And so when I said like when we're afraid to come to work and we're afraid to go to our friends and say and be who we are, what I want to encourage you to do is say, live who you really are. And sometimes if we're too much for people, maybe that's just not the people who we need to be in our lives at the time. Or that maybe we need to realize that this is how I work with this person, but I also have people here who I can talk to. Community, that's why the community is supposedly such a cool thing, is because there's a lot of people with different personalities and different types that we can work with. And I like when Paul said, I'm all things to all men. You know, He wasn't saying I'm a people pleaser. He was just saying, like, I just know how to communicate and work with others. And I think that's what we're called to do. I think Dr. King showed us that. I think my mom was able to do that. You know, my mom was able to sit down, you know, with conservative evangelicals and preach and sing to them. And then she was also able to go to the gay pride parade and leave every, lead everybody And yes, Jesus loves me, you know. And that's who she was, you know. She was able to, to move in a way that would seem contradictory to most, but to her it was just non-binary world that she lived in. You know, and you know, for her, she had this truth that was love and that was Jesus and that Jesus loved you, and she just wanted everybody to know that, right? If you were whatever you were, and to me, that's kind of a cool thing, and that's kind of the idea behind grace. Um, you know, and then I also wrote down a quote from by Morrissey, um, and he wrote one of his songs, it's not even a quote, it's a lyric from his song, he goes, You know. I'm human, and I need to be loved just like anybody else does. And I think we all have that feeling of we want to be loved. We want to be cared for. And uh, where do we find that? you know? Um, and I am extremely introverted, but what I'm starting to realize is that I, I do need it. I do need to be loved, but I don't need to be loved by the masses. you know. Um, but I do need to have a few friends and special people in my life who love me. You know, Steve Peters has been become a really great friend, and he's someone I always know I can go to. I never feel like I'm overreacting with when we chat, you know. I feel like I can come to him that, about something that most people consider silly, and he'll hear me with grace and compassion and know that it's hurtful and important to me. And I love that, you know, that's a great relationship to have. Um, one that came from my mother, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, and I've got Pete and me and Pete, how we work together and discuss things together and talk about things, you know, and, and, and you know, Pete sometimes has that tough love switch on, you know, because and, and, he's Irish, you know, and he's from Belfast, you know, and and grew up in hell. <laughs> um, but I get something from my relationship with Pete that I don't get from anybody else either as well. So we have this great growth of truth and, and we step on each other's toes, but we grow from it, you know. And there's nothing off limits, you know. It doesn't mean that it's not going to be offensive or it doesn't mean that it's not going to make you wince a little bit. But we are able to have these tough conversations. And honestly, his work has has influenced me in such a way as why I come here and want to encourage people to have tougher conversations, to argue well, um, to know that when someone disagrees with you or if someone's angry at you, it's it's not the end of the world you know, I, I once had a therapist say, like, well, what happens if they're mad at you? I'm like, well, they're mad, you know, and being kind of the introverted, feely, touchy person that I am, I'm like, well, they're mad and it's the end of the world. And they're like, is it really the end of the world? And I'm like, no. And they're like, are they mad? And I'm like, yeah, they're going to be mad forever. Well, that would probably be really hard to work on. I have a few people I'll be probably mad at forever, but they really had to do some awesomely bad stuff. And you start to realize, well, that's okay. And it's, not my opinion and it's not under my control whether they're mad or they're hurt or they're sensitive or not. You know, that's not under, you know, and it might not even be my fault. So, so sometimes it's just realizing that you have to let people be people, let people be human and let people have a human experience. Um, one of my favorite quotes is by Cornell West um, and he goes, um, I cannot be an optimist but I'm a prisoner of hope, you know? And when we, we, we live in a world that is so complicated, everybody's divided over vaccines and masks, um, you know, what, what's happening with other countries in this world, what's happening with people who want to come into our country. You know, all the, the world is so divided, politics, Woke culture, conservative culture. I mean, what's happening in Texas? I didn't even realize there was that many pro-life people still around, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> but all this stuff is happening, and you just see these extreme... It's just like, where's the conversations that are going to change things? And I think if we don't have the conversations and the right conversations with the right people, and we go, oh, I'm not even going to talk to you, Sometimes that gives a chance for your enemy to be like, oh great, don't talk to me because we're just going to sit here and work on things (laughs) and we're going to grow and we're going to make it bigger and then it becomes an issue. Like I think it's our job is to educate people but you can't educate people who don't want to listen. So that's the line we have to often walk is how do we do that? And that's what I have hope for. I have hope that we can learn to talk with people we don't agree with, that people that we even have resentments towards Speak truth with them and work out our problems and work out our issues. You know, like, uh, you know, like for me, like, I'm going to use an example, uh, a personal example. Like, I am divorced. You know that. I have two kids. And me and my ex are really, really different. And we have different things we want out of life. Um, different passions, and we both raise the kids different. Not, I'm not gonna. Don't think either one's wrong. It's just this is how we choose to do things, and so we constantly, and it's sometimes really frustrating for both of us. Is have to work on it, or compromise, or have tough conversations, and sometimes we just argue, and then we realize, okay, why are we arguing? Then we sometimes we get to the end of the argument, and we're like, why did that start? You know, we have to scroll back through to figure out what we were arguing about. Um, But why do we do it? Because those kids are so important. You know, we have them 50% each. You know, those kids are worth every conversation we have, every little inconvenience, anything that's going on there. But also, there's great times too. We have a lot of great times as well, not just bad times, you know. But, you know, we're passionate because we love these kids more than life itself. And, And that, in a way, shows us like, Those are, if we love people, if we love things, if we love your country, if you love humanity, um, then maybe you need to see your enemy as an ex and you're raising kids together. You're in this world together. It's both of yours worlds, but you both want the best for it. How can we come together and work this out? How is this possible? And when I said, I am a pessimist, and so I honestly probably think none of this will work, but I have a bit of hope that we can learn, that we can grow, that we can look at people like Hegel, we can look at people like Tammy Faye, we can look at people like Martin Luther King Jr. and Gandhi and Mother Teresa. You know, here's someone who was surrounded with doubt, but still gave everything she had, even when she didn't believe in God, because it wasn't about that. You know, it was like, I don't do this because I believe in God; I do it because I love these people. You know, God might have gotten me here, but I'm here, and I, but now I'm here. You see what I'm saying? Um, it's tough. I mean, like, right now, I'm having to draw a lot of boundaries with folks who have really strong opinions about my family. But it's because I know I can't spend all my time on social media trying to convince people or explain to them what happened. You know, like, I've written books about it. <laughs> my mom wrote books about it. My dad's written books about it. I'm like, man, there's documentaries about it. There's people who also wrote books about it. Like, I can just show you a bunch of books. I can tell you which books are bad, which books are good, but honestly, I can't sit here, but honestly, does it hurt when you say these things about my mom? Yes. Um, and I start to go into depression, and when I realize I'm in depression is when I really, we have to back off, and that, and I recommend this for a lot of people. Is when you're depressed, depression lies to you. Um, three years ago, I tried to take my life. I woke up in the hospital, so I mean, I didn't, it wasn't just like, oh, I I want attention. Like, I thought I was going to be dead and I didn't die. Somehow I was, and next thing I knew I was in the hospital and I guess they pumped my stomach in an ambulance. I don't know. I don't remember. I mean, I know I was in an ambulance, but that's all I remember. And then I was in a psych ward after that for a while. I remember that. Um, But depression says your children will be better off without you. People will be better off without you. There is no hope. And it's a liar. And I know things that trigger my depression because I have so much trauma from being a young child and so much of your trauma happens when you're young that I know going back there and fighting that fight is not the best place. You know where I do that fight at? I do it when I go see my analyst once a week. He would like me to go twice a week, to be honest with you, but I can't afford it. But it's when I go see my analyst, that's where I do those fights. That's where I work it out. That's where I find out "Mm, what's worth fighting for. Because I can get nasty, and it's really hard to be a preacher of grace and love and compassion, and then you know tell somebody in a in a tweet or a Facebook message like you know to go to hell and fuck themselves. You know, and I don't like to cuss when I do talks, but um, that's just where I'm at at this point. You know, you just don't want to do that. It's like, oh, that's really graceful. You're like, no, it's not. Gra- I know it's not graceful, but you triggered a point in me that I don't know what to do with. You've triggered something in me that I don't know how to deal with, and I think that's why. Understanding our mental health issues, understanding what we're going through is also really important. I feel like I'm giving you guys a whole lot of crap right now, um, a whole lot of information right now. And I'll, I'll try to just bring it down. Let's just try to wind this down for a minute. And then we'll do maybe a little Q&A and um, a little afterglow and then go uh, particular ways. But, man, it's been a tough week. Just personally, like, you know, as, as this movie gets moving, it's, it's wild what people, people want to tell me. You know, um, one of the things, you know, one of the things that, is, that I find ext- extremely strange is like when people want to be like, oh, you know, this, this used to happen to my dad a lot. I'm going to jump around, like slash don't like, and people used to come up to my dad and be like, you know what, Jim Baker, I've forgiven you. And he'd be like, well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. I accept. Thank you for that. And then he'd be like, you know what? I really hated you because you were just the worst Type of scum there was, you know, and then I go through the whole story, and I did this once with Jerry Falwell now, I you know forgave him and did, but first told him how horribly he was and, and it 's something that we often need to do we want to get that that we feel like it's going to give us closure, but it ends up kind of throwing out the whole like I've forgiven you thing because basically you're like i 'm going to beat the hell out of you and then let you know i've forgiven you, you know and, and I remember used to watching this, and my dad was always so graceful with it, but I was like man, they kind of like you know, said they forgave you and then kicked you in the nuts. Dad, that, that's kind of weird. And he's like, well, you know, son, some people have to, have to vent, have to deal with things that way. And uh, I realize as an adult, but I still see people like, oh, man, I love your mom. She's the greatest, but your dad is a piece of shit grifter and I don't want anything to do with him. I'm like, why, wh- why? I'm their kid, you know? Or it's even worse is when they start talking negatively about my mom. I'm like, you know, that's not only my mom, but that's my late mom. My mom's gone and I was very close to my mom and I knew her better than you'll ever know her. You know, and what your opinion was because you watched a couple episodes of Nightline in the 80s and read a few fucking People magazines really doesn't add up to what I've been through. Like, I just don't think I would search out anybody's kids to tell them, (laughs) I think your family's shit. You know, I think, you know. Now, let me tell you this is it would be one thing if it was just all the old 1980s conservative evangelicals. But when I started noticing these things, this is why I had shut down this whole Facebook message and everything. When I did that, I feel like I'm in therapy right now. Sorry, everybody, but I got to be me. Um, when I, I just shut it down, but when I wanted to look at some of these people's profiles of who were being the most venomous, they were mostly really woke people. You know, They were like, get vaccinated and wear your mask. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm down with that. You know, like, um, <laughs> you know, black lives matters. I'm like, yep, totally. You know, but but then all of a sudden it was like came to my family and we're shit, you know? And I was like surprised how many like progressive people and woke people lack grace and forgiveness towards a, cer- towards a certain group of people. I, I had a Freudian slip. I said turds probably because I think people who, Act that way, or acting like turds, um, you know. So it's not just like the old, the old groups. It's everybody. Now, here's the thing that I started to think about, though, was it is. Because I'm watching all this and going like, isn't this the thing that we most of us rejected the church for? Is for how mean the church could be, and we always talked about how mean Christians were. I used to have this magnet on my refrigerator, and it was like, I love you, Jesus, but I can't stand your fan club, you know, and um, and it's like a guy walking talking to Jesus, you know, and Gandhi was like, I love your Jesus, it's your Christians I can't stand or whatever, you know. And and growing up, you know, the Christians are the only army that shoot their wounded. You know, and I was like, yeah, it's yeah, you know, I mean, Christianity. You know, people leave the church. Oh, Christians suck. Christianity sucks. You know, okay, yeah, I get it, I get it. But now, like with social media, it seems to be that I don't think it's God or Christianity necessarily. To me, I think it's humanity. That when we get into this group think. And all of a sudden, we either think we have God on our side or we have our screens to protect us or God to protect us or whatever this invisible thing is to protect us. We just don't get, treat each other with respect and kindness and love and compassion and grace. You know, it's like this thing I've been seeing, like a lot of people talking about deconstruction lately, and I feel like I've been doing deconstruction most of my life. But a lot of these deconstructionists that I see online are always like just talking about how horrible the church was and how horrible the youth groups was and how horrible. And I'm going like, that's not deconstruction. <laughs> like you're supposed, to, that's just, and I understand like you want to be angry about the church. I get it. Trust me. I'm angry. Trust me. I, I got it from both sides of Christianity growing up as a kid and still do now. You know, it's like, I get it. Um, but I think the problem is much bigger than we thought it was. So I don't think we can just focus and bo- oh, it's all the conservative Christian fault. Because I'm fine to tell you what I, I've noticed that you progressive Christians are just as, just as mean, just in a really different way. And you also, you know, a- instead of sending people to hell, you just cancel them. You know, you send them into nowhere. <laughs> you know. And so there's no room for discussion or redemption or forgiveness. Now, here's my thing. If you don't follow Christianity, you don't have to worry about those words, forgiveness, redemption, and all that stuff if you don't want to. But if you follow Christianity, the biggest part of Christianity is forgiveness and redemption. Now, sometimes this forgiveness is from afar. Sometimes loving your enemy is just means just you, you pray for him because you can't be around him because it's not safe. You don't want to throw purtled swine. You don't want to spend your whole time bickering and arguing. You don't want to do that. And there's no reason for you to do that. So that's part of it. Okay, I've said that in talks before. Sometimes people want me to express everything in a talk and it gets really frustrating because it's hard to cover every base, but I'm gonna try to because I think this one's important. But Christianity for me is not about casting people out. Even when Paul talks about kicking that person out who is sleeping with their like mother-in-law and stuff, in the next book he says, all right, I wanted to see how far you guys have gone. You've actually gone too far. Now bring that person back and restore them. Now, this was a guy who was sleeping with his mother-in-law, okay? But he said, you know, you, you got a little too zealous. Now bring that person back, love them, and restore them. I have to believe that these are the type of things that made my mom my mom, is reading things like this, that she just realized that there was just the grace was so amazing. I don't believe in a literal hell. I don't believe there's a literal hell actually in the Bible if you do a word study. So I, I, I don't, you know, for me, I don't even know about the afterlife at this point in my, my theology and philosophy thinking, but I'm growing constantly. So that's a whole nother talk. I'm sure a lot of you just wrote me off and that's okay. It, it probably best for us both. Um, but, but maybe God isn't the problem with the church. You know? Maybe human nature... Maybe it's human nature to be hypocritical and judgmental. I mean, social media reminds me so much of the church, of church people growing up. It's it's fascinating. It's fascinating to me, too, also when I have, like, re, like really big atheists come after me and, and tell me how horrible my parents were and stuff like that because I'm just like, man, if you only knew, like, how much you have in common with other Christians, it's pretty fantastic. Um... But I think the issue is our, is our human nature and what happens uh, when we have groupthink and we're not able to think for ourselves. And that's what I always liked about punk rock is it, it really encouraged individual thinking. But it also encouraged to you be, to be into a community. And it was this huge community, but it also encouraged you to think about truth and question authority and question truth and to have tough conversations. And um, sometimes those conversations would lead to fights and arguments. I mean, there was a lot of division in the punk rock community, uh, and it always will be, but especially back in the 70s, early 80s. Um, but, but it's one of the reasons I like that. So what I want to encourage you to folks to do is be yourself. Think for yourself. Think differently. Think critically. When you're offended, defended, offended, offended or defended, <laughs> offended, think about why and what does it have to do with me and what does it touching in, in me? Um, to have a little bit of hope for the future because I think hope is what brings the future into the present. So when we have hope, and I think this is why depression is such a pain in the ass because it steals you from hope. I think hope Causes us to disagree, well, because we have, because we're we're letting the future enter into the now for a moment. Hope is saying, I'm going to have this conversation because I have hope for the future. I'm going to deal with this because I have hope for the future. And, uh, but it's not all that easy, honestly. Talks and sermons can't sum it all up, but I I hope you guys can find growth. Have your boundaries when you need boundaries. But for me, boundaries are are walls that eventually can move and shift or you can put a door there for certain people to come through and other people not to. I think that's important. And um, I can't recommend therapy enough. So honestly, you know, I don't have health insurance right now. I don't make a lot of money, but I, I see it as like an investment like most people would be going to school or building into their future. Like I think it makes me a better father a better speaker, and a better author, and a better friend. Um, so yeah, what are you getting from Revolution today? I don't know. I'm tired. I've been dadding all week long. I've got a lot more dading to do right now. Um, just, you know, right now, I'd just be nice to each other. And I'll be honest with you, as my community, I could use some niceness, you know? It's funny how many friends of mine, like, how many of my or friends, I guess my contemporaries get really quiet when all this shit happens um that's tough you know cause cause back in the day it was like when 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 when, we, when my family lost everything I was like well I guess we realized who our friends were and weren't you know and um I don't necessarily think that's true I just think some friends are don't know how to be friends don't know how to love don't know how to connect don't know how to um Be there for each other and I think that's something that we can all learn and uh, but also they don't know if you don't ask I guess so can use encouragement the next few weeks are gonna be tough Um, I'm gonna try to do a few questions here I'm gonna screen through you know Caleb's not here right now so we don't have any uh, him looking it up so I have to to literally scroll through my phone to find what you're saying um, I will say Chris just said she got a lot out of this week. I guess she's meeting me this talk today and I appreciate it. Um, today was kind of like a free thinking thing. I had this whole sermon I've been thinking about for literally a week, like trying to figure it out. And I just didn't do it today because I just got, I just got a bug. I just got a bug that wanted to say, maybe it's time for us to stop blaming others or blaming the church and start realizing that there's something bigger at work here that we all have to work through together. Um, here we go. How far do I go? This thing, you guys really chatting it up in there. That's very cool. Um, good morning. Good morning. Some folks said they're glad to see the film. Uh, Oh, someone said, by watching the documentaries, how I got to know your mom. I think that's a lot of people like saw that documentary, uh, the original documentary, The Eyes of Tammy Faye. And everybody saw my mom in a completely different way. Um, it's amazing what, I, what film can do, what documentaries can do. That it's a powerful tool. And it's also amazing when you're able to see people through another lens not the media's lens or not social media's lens or not magazine's lens i mean folks when you see people through that you're getting such a tiny percentage of who they are um some of you who probably have great enemies if you if you really knew them in person or people you can't stand public figures that you can't stand if you knew them you would realize that they're not they're not horrific people That they're just people who've been put in horrific situations and that if we'd been put into the similar situations, we may have made the same decisions or maybe worse or maybe better. I mean, well, I want to believe we'd make better decisions. Um, I honestly, the most staff I ever had at one time was probably seven people, and I was really overwhelmed, you know. And I had a board of directors and all that stuff, and, and I was really overwhelmed. And like my dad had thousands of staff members, and honestly, I don't, don't know if I could have handled that. I would have had to have like 18 assistants. <laughs> Um, it's really been a rough week for me as well. I lost an artist friend of suicide. Oh, uh, I am so sorry, Roberta. That is really tough. Um, That's just hell. There's not any squishy answers for that. When you lose people, it's just tough. I'm very sorry for your loss. God, suicide is such a strange thing. And it's... It's not that you just don't want to live, and there's so many reasons behind it. I wish we understood that more. Um, A lot of you are watching. I love you, Jay, says John. Thank you, John. Oh, there's some people having really great conversations. All right, here we go. Boom, here seems like a big question from Ken. How do you approach those that are disagreeing with you or have other ideas When you want to sit and come together. Um, For me, you know, sometimes it's just making an appointment. You know, even online, I've had some really good conversations, to be honest with you, especially in like direct messages. Um, There's been some that have led to phone calls um, where we've had really good conversations. I had one where it led to a phone call and we screamed at each other for like an hour and then after that, we we worked it out. But we really both had a lot of hurt and a lot of anger and needed to get it out, and we did. But the one thing we didn't do is we didn't hang up. We didn't abandon the conversation, even though we were both very intense and both very emotional, but it seemed like we both honestly probably needed needed the other to hear what we had to say and needed to hear it in the way they heard it. Um, and we worked it out. Now, are we best buddies to this day? No but we did work out our problem, and our situation, and if we saw each other, we would be great. We could have a cup of coffee easily and probably talk about it in a calm way, but um, yeah, we just realized we saw things differently and that our paths were leading us both into completely different directions based on, what we had been educated about, but by, by, by our knowledge and by what we both felt. We felt differently because we both had different information and both of us felt this way about our information. We shared that information with each other and at the end we decided that we still were on separate paths, but there was no reason for us to hate each other because we were on those separate paths. Um, it is sad because sometimes those people won't talk to you. Um, but just because one person won't talk to you is what I'm trying, is don't set a rule for not. Engaging with people who disagree with you. That's the thing. It's like a hundred people may disagree with you But a true leader the true leader of that Group or that situation might be the one who actually says I'll listen I'll talk to you and That might be the person who needs that change who needs that education who needs to be set free from being a prisoner of misinformation or This might blow your mind Or guess what? You might be the one who needs to be set free from the misinformation. You might need to be the one who actually needs the change. You know, you might be the one who doesn't, you know, is missing the point. Well, that's a really, that's not the fun one, but that happens a lot. Okay. I do think starting where you, uh, this is from John, I do think starting with where you agree and affirming what you can, and I think that gives the social capital to disagree without being disregardable. Yeah, no, I think finding common ground is vital. And I think that's the thing, is I think we usually, I'd say 80% of the time maybe, have more common ground than what we disagree on. You know, I mean, you could be a parent, and you could talk about parenting, and about how hard it is, that. like, I'm, I'm a single parent. Parent when I have my kids, you know, and and I had to go get some stuff altered at the alteration because I wanted to wear a special shirt to the premiere, which is just a plaid shirt, but I just wanted it to fit different. Um (laughs) because I'm vain. Um, you know, and I had to bring my kids because I didn't have any other time to go and I have enough time to have it done. And I went and brought my kids and like the altar. Ration person was not very happy that my kids were kind of crazy, you know, and like I had to explain to them, like, I'm a single parent. I tried to come here without them. I'm sorry they're crazy, you know. They're six and four and, you know. Um, My point is, is like finding other parents to be able to talk to about that stuff. Like I have a friend who used to talk to me about putting her kids to bed and how she would just cry and cry and cry sometimes when they wouldn't go to bed. And it actually really helped, gave me a lot of empathy and and has helped me a lot when I put my kids to bed because I'm so exhausted and so tired and I don't want to lose it. And being like it's okay to feel those feelings. Um, I think a lot of us have those type of common. We, we share those type of common issues with each other than the things that we disagree with, you know. And I think those type of things are, are beautiful and can bring us together and help us just be better, just be okay as humans. Someone said, I also often wonder if venting just a means of being toxic. John says, John, I don't agree with that at all. Because I have friends who I go like, hey, I've got to vent. I've got to let go. And it's not me going like, you're such an asshole. It's like when I'm venting, it's not usually to the person I'm venting about. It's like, I am so frustrated. I've had a horrible day. This is going on. And usually when I'm venting, I'm not looking to be corrected. Or when I'm venting, I'm not looking you know, uh, for the problem to be solved. This is a problem that happens in marriages a lot, is, you know, people will vent and then the other partner, meaning really well, will be like, I've got to fix this, you know, let me fix this for you. And you're not wanting it to be fixed. What you're wanting is, is for it to be heard. You're just wanting to be heard. You're just wanting to be, matter of fact, what would really help, I often say is, is like, you know, like, just agree with me for a few minutes. You might not even agree with me. Just be, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's awful. Yeah, they're really bad. You know what I mean? Just give me that for a few minutes, and then we can go, and we can analyze it. When I'm venting, usually it's just I'm so frustrated and so full of pain and anger that I'm not thinking rationally, and I just need to throw up. You know, when I used to drink a lot, there were times where I was so drunk that I was like, oh, I could have another drink, but I just got to throw up. And if I throw up, I'll feel better, and I can party longer. And so I don't do that anymore, but, um, <laughs> but that's how I see venting is like, I want to go on with life, but I just need to be vented. I, I, honestly, for me, sometimes venting is just kind of asking to be heard and to be cared for, you know? I just like, hey, I, I'm hurting. I got a lot of stuff going on. I just, I need a hug. Sometimes that's what I'm really saying is when I'm venting is I just need a hug and I just need someone to say, you're okay. It's okay, you know? And if there's something that's really sending off the red flags, you know, maybe after I have some food, we can have a conversation about that. And you can tell me like, hey, did you ever think about their perspective? Which is really cool because Pete Rollins is my best friend. It really is that way with me. Like I can vent with him and then he'll say like, all right, now I know you're angry and this is, you need to say all this stuff. Get it out, man. Get it out. You know, but then he'll sit down and be like, all right, now let's look at it. You know, what's your part in this? And how well, you know, if you deal with it this way, You is that really professional? Is that the best way? You know, you no, it's not. You know, and, and go through those things. So I, I'm, I'm grateful for that. I don't have a lot of friends, but I, the ones I do are pretty, pretty, pretty quality. Sounds abusive, beat you up by saying I love you. Yeah, it, 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 it stinks sometimes. But, you know, there's also things called tough love, um, which sometimes is okay. You just got to make sure that there's love with the toughness. <laughs> sometimes tough love minus the love is not love. Um, but sometimes people just have to tell you the truth and, and it hurts and it winces. Oh God, I've had that happen a few times and they were right. And th- honestly, when they're right, it hurts worse. You're like, when they're wrong, you're like, oh, you know, when they're right, oof, that hurts. <laughs> the truth shall set you free. Yes, indeed. All right, here we go. My friend Beth here, when anyone has ever tried to talk about your family, I stop them gently in their tracks and say I know them in a personal level and they're wonderful people. they were always good to me. Then they listen and begin to understand the truth because they sense the love. That's beautiful. Thank you, Beth. That means a lot. And Beth did know our family very personal, like the ins and outs and depths of who we were. Oh, I just did something weird to the phone. Okay. Like she saw, she saw behind the, behind the curtain. (laughs) So um, Beth was, was a a security guard, a bodyguard for my sister and, but became like family. I think if you talk talked to majority of people who were body security guards for us who were around us, they would say there was a family feeling there. Unfortunately, people tend to pass on their own trauma until they react to help it changed. I'm sorry that happened to you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I held my own trauma down as well. I mean, I think the reason I tried to take my own life is because I just did not deal with a lot of stuff. I just kept moving forward and thought that's what a man is supposed to do, is to move forward and just be tough and be strong. And um, it just all caught up with me. You know, I don't think I can just blame the person or a certain thing that was happening at that time in my life. It was history history decided to come and show up. Um, that's why I'm such a, a strong uh, believer in, in, in therapy, especially in seeing psychoanalysis, going to psychoanalysis. Unfortunately, most uh, um, uh, most insurance doesn't cover psychoanalysis, which is such a shame because it's, it's really a beautiful, powerful tool and you don't end up on medication for the rest of your life. Someone, ah, here's one from Charles. I like this one. Before you worry about the afterlife, we need to worry about it here, now, and about our own relationship with and afterlife of God. There you go. Hope brings future into the present. Love that thought. And as it resonates, oh, thank you. I know, I was writing that today, and I was like, oh, that's not bad. Um, toot toot. Love you, Jay. Thank you, Roberta. I love you, Jamie. Thank you, Beth. I got a lot out of this week. Oh, we're back, Chris. Thank you. If you could talk to your mom right now, what would you say and, or ask? You know, I would just tell mom I'm proud of her. I love her. And like, hey, mom, guess what? There's a movie and a major like motion picture being made about your life. It's crazy. You haven't been forgotten. Um, the kids, Minnie and Milo, love you so much. And or, do you have any advice for them? What can I tell them? What would you like them to know? They have a picture of their mom, my grand—I mean, my mom. They have a picture of their grandmother in their room. Um, the other day, Minnie was was up by the uh, refrigerator, which is right behind this album. That's why I put it there. Um, and she's kissing and, and saying, "I love you, Grandma." And I was like, "What's going on?" And I didn't—I forgot I had put in a picture of my mom on the refrigerator that somebody had sent me. And she was just sitting there and she gave it a kiss and said, "I love you, Grandma." And, oh my gosh, my heart just broke and melted into a million pieces, you know? I was just like, Ugh. And she reminds me so much of my mom. I mean, she even has blue eyes, you know? Me and my, my, my ex-wife both have brown eyes. And here's Minnie Faye <laughs> with blue eyes. And, and she's just really amazing. She sings all the time. She's exceptional. Um... Oh, there is another one who has asked the same question. Um, thank you for always speaking your truth. Open to teaching about how you have grace, never forgot you and loved. All right. Someone said Roberta said I I'm, I'm after hearing today's talk, I'm really happy. I feel better today. And that, that that's that's encouraging. That's why I'm hoping to do. I, I hope we can feel better and I hope you, you know, take any nonsense that you, just, and if you got something positive, take it with you. That's what I try to say. Oh, the hope about, uh, quote, is Cornell West, and he says, I, uh, I cannot be an optimist, but I am a prisoner of hope. Brian says, big supporter since 2004, hope. You made it through your depression. I'm. Thank you. That I appreciate that. I I I think I've. I I think I made it through. It wasn't easy, and I fought with a lot of people I love, and probably wasn't the nicest person in the world, and probably said some nasty things online to people that I I need to delete. Um. But yeah, I did make it through. Um. And it was cool. You know, it's funny that the, the people who do reach out sometimes and they see it like I, I, I know a couple people who, who follow my Instagram they're like hey it seems like something's off you know and that was it was really neat your mom is so loved and I hope you know you are too well thank you Jamie which is actually my real name J-A-M-I-E love you guys thanks so much hey listen if you get something out of Revolution uh, you can go to revolutionchurch, uh, dot com slash I think it's donation and and help us out that's how we survive. Um, we lost a an important a piece of equipment this past week. It got destroyed, and I'm really upset about it and I need to do something about it. But I, I, I'm just not feeling like trying to raise money for equipment right now is probably the best thing since we just raised money to buy the equipment. Oof. Anyway, we can use your support. We love you guys. Thank you so much. I will see you next Sunday. Love, I thank you for your patience. Thank for listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit RevolutionChurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.